1: Fiber and farming. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Good morning
2: and happy New Year's Eve. Aaron Zimmerman here with you on the Midwest Farm Report this morning. Not too long and we'll be into 2022 and the new year. Hopefully you've got big plans or resolutions for the upcoming year. But it does look like it's going to be a chilly start to the new year. Stu Muck, egg meteorologist, will share more coming up. Then after a bit, we'll touch on a hot topic in Wisconsin and the U.S., Meat processing. The Wisconsin Farmers Union actually put together a task force and report to find challenges and opportunities within the meat industry. Lauren Langworthy, Special Projects Director for Wisconsin Farmers Union, shares more. And then finally, Stephanie Hoff got the chance to catch up with Bo Hartline of Awesome Potatoes. They discuss what this year's harvest looked like and what things look like going forward into 2022. There's a lot to get to, so let's get things kicked off here on Friday, December 31st.
3: Overlook Farms.
4: Hello, sir. Do you have a minute to chat about the beef jerky of the month?
3: A minute? I've got hours. What? Because Ingenia Herbicide from BASF has the lowest use rate, I covered more soybean acres more efficiently.
5: If now's not a good time...
3: Thanks to Ingenia Herbicide,
1: I've got plenty of time. What flavors you got?
5: Oh, we've got barbecue, jalapeno...
3: Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Every application of Ingenia Herbicide requires the use of a pH-buffering adjuvant. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions.
6: Just about time to say goodbye to another year as 2021 leaves us for some better than others, for others not so good. Bob Boesel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn, and the challenges continue in our society, be they rural or urban. And Stephanie, you had a chance to talk to someone that's very involved in helping people that are struggling a little bit.
4: Yeah, Bob, you know, we all go through a tough time. At one time or another and for one reason or another but a critical factor in getting people to seek out the help they need is often another person who speaks up and there's folks out there to train you to do that i'm stephanie hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in madison chris frakes is the program director at farm well wisconsin she tells me first why farmers even need to think about mental health
0: yeah I think mental health is a topic that is everyone. We all have mental health. Sometimes we think that it's um, only something to care about when you're uh, not doing well or feeling in a crisis, but really it's something it's an everybody person all the time. Um, We also know that in our rural communities, we have a shortage of mental health providers. And so um, having more community members who are ready to step up and respond when somebody is in that vulnerable space is really critical to have um, everyone thrive as best they can.
4: What is the prevalence of mental health issues in rural Wisconsin?
0: We know that before the pandemic, the average uh, poor mental health days in rural Wisconsin was about four per month for on average across the state. Um, and the pandemic has made that worse, right, as we've had all of this anxiety and um, we've struggled to make connections with people and social isolation. Um, so It's been increasing that people, our teens, kids, families, adults, everyone has been struggling more. Um, A survey by the Farm Bureau in January of this year showed that 66% of farmers and farm workers said they were struggling more with their mental health that had been impacted by the pandemic. Um, And so it's a topic that we definitely need to be taking head on.
4: Yeah, it's it's the pandemic, it's the supply chain disruption, it's just even late nights in in long days in the field that pose an impact.
0: Absolutely, yep, all of those factors.
4: So, how does Farmwell, Wisconsin, your organization, how do they, how does that fit in?
0: Right. So, we work primarily in southwestern Wisconsin. Um, we're a service of the uh, southwestern Wisconsin Community Action Program, um, and we reach out to farmers, farm families, and farm workers in our five counties. Um, to provide community-based support. So we have direct conversations with farmers and farm workers. Um, We also provide community workshops, like the Comet workshop that you referenced. Um, And Comet's a really great training that will help anyone learn the skills they need to be more empathetic um, and to have a a set process to go through when they recognize that somebody's struggling or really stressed. Um, And it gives you a really natural-feeling conversation you can have, um, to ask somebody about how they're doing, to really learn the skills to listen well. And then if you need to connect them into other resources, it gives a list of resources that lets you do that as well.
4: COMET is a part of your programming. Uh, COMET stands for Changing Our Mental and Emotional Trajectory. Tell me a bit more about that.
0: So COMET's a great program. It was developed in um, in rural Colorado by farmers and ranchers, um, who recognized a lot of the same things we've seen here in Wisconsin, that there aren't enough mental health providers, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of social isolation out on farms and ranches, and they really wanted to develop a community approach. Um, And so it was developed in conjunction with some researchers in Colorado. I learned about it on a webinar in the course of the pandemic and got trained um, to deliver it here in Wisconsin. Um, So it's a great program. We're getting a really good community response. We've trained a lot of people. We can do it virtually or in person. Um, It's about two hours. Uh, We have a a great conversation with folks, give them a lot of training and skills, some practice in having these things, um, these hard conversations. And then people really leave much more confident and feeling like they could approach families, friends, acquaintances, even who are struggling.
4: What does need look like in Wisconsin for a training like this?
0: I think it's everywhere, right? Like everyone, ideally everyone would be trained in a in something like this. And it's it's a great training because it is meant to um catch people before they're fully in crisis, right? So they're struggling or stressed, vulnerable in a vulnerable space. Um, But they haven't crossed over into crisis. So it's a little bit easier entry point for most community members than, say, going into a suicide awareness and prevention training, which we also do. Um, But most people like to start at sort of um, an easier entry point where I'm just going to intervene with somebody who seems really stressed, um, but maybe they're not really all the way into a crisis.
4: Yeah, and what about staffing? You said, you know, you're trained to train folks. Uh, yeah. Do you have a, a good support staff there to that covers Wisconsin, or are you in, in search of people to help?
0: We definitely need more people who can help. Um, our staffing right now is myself and my halftime assistant, um, Sean, who's great. Um, and then we've got a group of folks, volunteers that we have trained, who help us deliver these um, workshops out into the community. So we've got a set of trained facilitators We've also been working with UW Extension folks, so we've got uh, teams trained that are spread out across the whole state to be able to deliver Comet out into our agricultural communities. So that's really great reach, I feel like, at this point across the state of Wisconsin. and then we are constantly looking for additional partners. Um, one of the things that we do is as we train different community groups, we bring people back together um, about a month after they've had their initial training to talk about how it's going, if they're getting stuck trying to use the comment process to really let them problem solve. And then hopefully some of those folks will go on to want to become facilitators for the program as well so that we can have more folks out there training more community members.
4: And Chris, I'm not going to ask you to give us an on-air course, although that would be pretty cool <laughs> if, if we did that. But what can you tell us? What can you offer us as far as guidance is what we should be looking for when we are out in our communities or we're working with people on farm? What do we need to be able to look for to know that th- there's something going on?
0: Right. I think, you know, part of what we talk about is recognizing um, changes. Right. So what do you see here? sense, what have you learned about their their um, life circumstances, right? So sometimes you have somebody who's really social or outgoing who suddenly stops coming to things, right? They've really withdrawn. And that can be a sign that they're under stress. With farms, we always think about, um, is there a decline in the appearance of the farm or in the, the appearance of the livestock? Do we know about some disease outbreak that's happened on the farm? We know those kinds of things both indicate increased stress and will be causes of increased stress. Um and so looking for those those changes in mood or behavior um or if you've learned about a life circumstance like maybe their kid's struggling at school or something those are times when we want to really reach out and a lot of times our impulse is to go home and comment to our spouse maybe that you know Bill down the road seems like he's struggling when really what we need to do is go directly to Bill and say hey how's it going how are you doing how are you really doing um, and so that's one of the steps we teach people, right? Is not just to ask, how are you doing? Because we all know the answer is supposed to be fine. Um, but if you ask somebody, how are you doing really? And then you pause. And then they'll be like, oh, you're actually asking me. And then just wait and let them talk.
4: Is it really that simple? Just It, to- it actually is. It almost sounds like we need to get over ourselves in order to ask those questions.
0: Right, absolutely. Right, I think another barrier for us frequently is, um, I I mean, I don't know about you, but my folks were always telling me to mind my own business. Right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right. So we have to get over that reluctance to when we're when we're inquiring out of care and concern. Like that's okay to be helpfully nosy. That's really different than being like gossipy. Right. So that's part of what we talk about with folks that it's okay when you notice somebody's really struggling to go ask them directly, and that's the best thing we can do is go ask directly what's going on, and then have the time to listen to them.
4: For those of us listening that want to know more, they want to get involved with FarmWell, they want to do the comment training, whatever, how do they get in touch with you and your
0: organization? They can go to our website, uh, farmwellwi.org, or um, contact me through, again, farmwellwi at swcap.org. That'll send an email to me, and then I Our website lists all of our upcoming trainings, um, and I can also, if they're in other parts of the state, direct them to the closest extension agents who could also train them in Comet.
4: Well, there you have it. Chris, is there anything else you wanted to add that I didn't ask you?
0: No, this has been great. You know, I really hope that we'll get more communities and community members taking this up. I really believe, and Comet believes, in the power of neighbors helping neighbors, and that it really is up to us to activate our community resources to to provide better support for everyone.
4: Of course, and Wisconsinites, we love helping our neighbors out. Again, that's Chris Frakes with FarmWell, Wisconsin. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Stephanie Hoff.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
3: Interest rates are always fluctuating but the signs are currently pointing to them going up. We've had low interest rates for such a long time. Let's make sure that you get in on it before it's gone. Call today and I'll show you how much you can save.
7: Educated mortgage is smartest way home.
3: Call Dan, the mortgage man. NMLS number 222-652.
1: Some of America's bravest warriors are returning home wounded. Here's one of them.
3: My name is Norberto Lara. While I was on a combat patrol, a rocket-propel grenade took my arm off at the shoulder. I was discharged from the Army, and I've been working with the Wounded Warrior Project since 2007. You don't have to be severely wounded. A lot of guys have post-traumatic stress disorder. Being able to share your story kind of helps you wrap your mind around what did happen over there. My name is Norby, and yes, I do suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm okay.
1: Don't suffer in silence. Contact woundedwarriorproject.org.
8: It's that time of your forgiving and taking. With so many people shopping online because of the pandemic, this holiday season, we are expected to have a record-breaking year for home deliveries and those pesky porch pirates. These adventurous thieves feast on crimes of opportunity, often finding their treasure in apartment complexes and vulnerable front porches. If you'd like to keep your deliveries, Madison Area Crime Stoppers has a few package theft prevention tips. Have your packages held at your local carrier facility for pickup, take advantage of ship-to-store for curbside pickup, or check out Amazon's locker feature. You can request that your package have a signature confirmation upon delivery, ask your carrier to place packages in an area out of place, View, have packages delivered to your work, schedule delivery for times you will be home, have packages delivered to a neighbor who is home, or install a video doorbell. Since they are already on your property and porch, some of these porch pirates will also check for unlocked doors, so make sure that the exterior of your home and any vehicles are locked up every day and night. If you have any information regarding porch pirates, please contact Madison area Crime Stoppers at 266 6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward.
1: Spreading farm information and occasionally manure. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Time
2: now for our Compeer Financial Ag Weather Update with Stu Mock, Ag Meteorologist. Now, Stu, we are less than 24 hours away from 2022. What is the weather going to look like to start off the new year?
6: It's going to be cold.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty straightforward answer. <laughs>
6: Well, that's what that's what I expect we're going to see. Oh, there may be a little precipitation, a little snowfall in parts of Wisconsin. The southeast part of the state could get the heaviest snow. And I'm talking uh, just to Milwaukee, being kind of the northern edge and that very far southeast for seeing Kenosha, there could be several inches of snow Saturday and Saturday night. For the rest of us, oh, there's some chance of that activity. I mean, a cool front's going to pass through out of the northwest today. The radar indicating, uh, you know, nothing big happening. Snows out in South Dakota, northwest Nebraska, western Minnesota. There may be a flurry here a bit later today as that front passes in. Maybe a little patchy freezing drizzle toward evening. That's about it. Some fog around this morning, though keep that one in mind. May need to scrape that off the windshield as well, but I expect that little bit of precipitation as that cool front drops through. It may linger into this evening in eastern and southern Wisconsin, and then with that front to the south, the stronger system moves along it. We'll hear about all kinds of snow much further to our south, but I do expect at least some snow Almost anywhere in our areas, Uh, we may have a little light snow as we make our way through Saturday or Saturday night, but I don't expect it to be that big of an accumulation, an inch or so from Madison to Beaver Dam to Fond du Lac, and a little lighter anywhere else further to the west and northwest. So not a major winter storm, but the cold air behind that front dropping in today with temperatures that could very well Even uh, tonight, get down to single digits in some areas. And then below zero for Saturday night and Sunday night. We haven't been there for a while. And those daytime highs stay quite a bit cooler as well. In fact, uh, just in the double digits, uh, I'm thinking teens for Saturday and maybe just around 10 or a little above on Sunday. A pretty cold weekend coming our way. A good one to uh, keep in mind ways to stay warm and safe. I mentioned it before. If you're traveling, yes, I know we all have cell phones and that's all well and good. Make sure you have that winter survival kit in the car, the extra blanket, the cap, the gloves, because you could get into a situation where you might have to walk a ways. And being able to wrap yourself up and keep warm makes a huge difference when this very cold air mass settles in. I'll have forecast details right after this.
4: Start off the new year strong by participating in the Dairy Business Association's annual Dairy Strong Conference, January 19th and 20th at the Monona Terrace in Madison. Dairy Strong brings together a wide variety of management philosophies and allows you to explore innovative ideas. At Dairy Strong, surround yourself with forward-thinking farmers and business owners. Register for the Dairy Business Association's annual Dairy Strong Conference at dairyforward.com. Virtual options are also available. Let's keep dairy strong.
2: Well, Sue, it sounds like that if people are heading out for this weekend to celebrate the new year, looks like we're going to want to bundle up, be prepared, and and drive safe out there, I'm sure, as well.
6: Well, that's it. We're going to have some slippery spots almost any time. I mean, it's not thawing off well. The snow that is not thawing off well on certain sidewalks, driveways, roadways, just exercise your caution. And around the farm especially, you know, there's that little chunk of ice right out around the corner of that building that you kind of forgets there. Uh, pay attention to that one, too. Our Compure Financial Ag Weather Update is for a mostly cloudy day today. Could be a little patchy fog, maybe some freezing drizzle. Uh, more likely, we see that light activity toward later this afternoon. Freezing drizzle or a snow flurry. Uh, still a mild day. Lacrosse a little cooler in the upper 20s. Everybody else around 30 or so. Southwest winds today become north, only about 5. A little Freezing drizzle or flurry early tonight with cloudy skies. In the west, it clears even. That's why I'd say La Crosse and Mostyn may see single digits tonight. Uh, The rest of us double digits, just in the double digits. The north winds 5 to 15. Mostly cloudy for New Year's Day. Snow most likely for the afternoon. The heaviest will be off to our southeast. Light snow around. Uh, Mid-teens at best. North winds 5 to 15 and gusty some snow yet Saturday night an inch or so. I'd say from Madison to Beaver Dam to Fond du Lac, less further North, much heavier Southeast by Sunday. Well, we get sunshine and uh, let's say 10 to 12 degrees for highs. Northwest winds will be around 5 to 15. Finally, by Monday, uh, we head back into the twenties, getting back to normal and maybe thirties by Tuesday, Aaron. So, Uh, The weekend is the one. Bundle up and take it easy.
2: Definitely. Well, you know, tomorrow's going to be January, and it sounds like it's definitely going to feel like it then.
6: Yeah, I think January comes in and uh, is going to give us a real good show of what January can be all about.
2: Sure, definitely. And uh, it sounds like it's going to be that normal Wisconsin winter weather. Well, that's Stu Muck, Ag Meteorologist, and your Compere Financial Ag Weather Update. Compere Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. For more information, visit com. Now, Sue, have you heard anything else, too? Looking forward into the rest of January, the rest of February, are there any predictions on what things may look like? Is it going to be a really cold one again this year or kind of more mild, I guess?
6: Well, I think I've been hearing more leaning on the cold weather Definitely. than we may have been seeing lately. So. Definitely. You know, get ready. We've got to uh, be prepared for whatever Mother Nature throws our way.
2: Yeah, definitely. Get out those those tank heaters, the heaters in the barn. Make sure you're bundling up if you're heading outside. And glad glad too, you give the tips about the those winter weather survival kits. I guess for your car. We actually, my wife and I were just looking at one at the at the store last night as well.
6: Yeah, it's a good idea just to be ready. Yeah, you may not be going far, but if something goes wrong. It makes a difference.
2: Definitely, definitely. Well, again, that's Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, with our Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Stu, have a very happy new year and a great weekend, and we will catch you next year.
6: You bet. We'll check in with you then.
1: Thank you very much. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
0: What's the difference between shopping William Thomas Custom Jewelry and a franchise jewelry store? The young rep at the franchise store probably knows more about their cell phone than they do exquisite jewelry. And where will they be in the future when you need them? William Thomas Custom Jewelry is a Madison Original, and they'll be here for you whenever you need them. Creating one-of-a-kind pieces, and here for the long haul.
7: William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. What have we here? Crackers. At least I think they are. They're in a cellophane wrapper. There are two of them. Crackers always travel in pairs. They snap like crackers. Crumble like them, too. Nine out of ten cracker eaters would give them a positive ID. But these aren't crackers. They're dinner. Jim Krevix for five days straight. There are people like Jim all across Madison. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply people like Jim over $950,000 in food through Dane County's busiest food pantry. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in clothing, shelter, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. If you've been injured in a bad crash, you might think the facts are so clear that you don't need an attorney.
1: Big mistake. Insurance companies have many arguments to reduce settlements, no matter how clear the claim may seem. I'm John Rihola. At Clifford & Reihala, we have the experience you need to take on those arguments and win. Recent example, a young woman was driving when an oncoming car crossed the center line and crashed into her head-on. She was severely injured and paralyzed and needed experienced lawyers. Though her case seemed clear, the insurance companies still came up with lots of reasons why they didn't want to pay. We fought for her and made sure she and her family received the full compensation they deserved.
0: For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys, fighting for you, for justice, myjustice.com.
5: Matthew. Uh,
9: oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me.
7: I know that a lot of times,
2: Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me.
4: I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. so I can try to meet your expectations.
7: Thank you for talking.
1: For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
5: Where can you drive
1: away today in a new car or truck clearance-priced? Shep Motors. Bring in the new year with a new vehicle and get huge savings at all three Chef Motors locations. Select from over 900 cars, trucks, and SUVs ready to drive away today. There's never been a better time to buy than now during the year-end clearance sale. Through December 31st, no waiting, no new car overhead, so you get the lowest price on low-mileage vehicles anywhere. Plus, get top dollar for your trade and the lowest finance rates ever. While new car prices continue to go up, pre-owned cars never have been a better value at your new car alternative Shep Motors, northeast at Highway 51 and East Wash east next to Farm and Fleet and the Superstore off Highway 12, exit 250 Middleton and ShepMotors.com Happy Holidays from our family to yours Your
5: new car alternative
7: ShepMotors.com Educated mortgage, the smartest way home Call 10 the Mortgage
3: Man. As you know, the housing market is super hot right now, and it's more important than ever to get pre approved before you go out to look. You can rely on Educated Mortgage to give you the strongest pre approval with the lowest rate and closing costs possible to make that home a reality.
7: Educated Mortgage
3: the smartest way home. Call Dan, The Mortgage Man. And MLS number 222 652.
10: When it comes to Wisconsin Athletics for the best of 2021, it's Wisconsin Volleyball.
9: I know Wisconsin hockey,
10: women's hockey. Rowdy, what did Wisconsin hockey do again?
9: Wisconsin women's hockey.
10: No, what, what, They won it oh, all. Oh, yeah, Wisconsin women's hockey, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying Wisconsin volleyball had never won it, right? Oh, yeah, 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 I got
9: Wisconsin you. Yeah. Yep. it. Wisconsin hockey
10: had women's,
9: which is incredible, fruition.
10: don't get me wrong, but Wisconsin volleyball, first time they had done it, yeah. and especially against gotcha. a, their former coach, mm-hmm. who 23 years ago, I don't said, know if you heard this, said, said they'll never win without me. Can't win here. Or can't win in Wisconsin. And what they do, they beat them. They went, psh, 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 they psh, psh, punked them in a very exciting match. Uh, all right, so there you go. The, the football, I'm really racking the brain. It's really just Braylon Allen. Yeah. And, the, I mean, the defense a constant. Grit factory. Fans back in the stands. Yeah. Other yeah. than that, I De- couldn't tell you. Death row.
9: Death row, not should night. Up until they didn't drop back and cover people in the middle of the field. Yeah. Which almost lost them in the Nebraska game, lost them in the Minnesota game. Uh, I guess well, the offense really not showing up at the Minnesota game. Lost them in the Minnesota game. Could
10: you say game. that the mayor came in at the dead of night to um, stay the execution of death row? That's why they weren't back there?
9: Sure. <laughs>
10: I'm just trying to think of something. All right, then when it comes to, uh, how about this for football side of things? Aaron Charles Rogers, as you just said a couple minutes ago, RJ, winning another MVP, his third, in the year of 2021, was absolutely incredible. Los bucks. Uh, for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, anything else for the Packers besides Rodgers? I guess him surpassing Brett Favre's touchdown record.
3: That yeah. was a good moment of 2021. Basically, just Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, it was once again another loss in the NFC Championship game.
10: Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, uh, Matt LaFleur making some records, but I've, if you were to ask Matt LaFleur, like fastest coach to, what was it, 30 something wins and then yada, yada, yada. But if you were to ask LaFleur, it'd be like, yo, dude, I just want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. So I'm I'd not, say Rodgers and the MVP. Not
9: happy with the NFC championship game.
10: Rodgers and the MVP is about it for the Packers. I mean, the NFC Norris, whatever. With <laughs> Can't even count them on two hands now of how many they've won the past. Yeah. So Packers is that. And then, yes, another MVP, Giannis Adetokounmpo, the Milwaukee Bucks, winning the NBA Finals. And Giannis, the NBA's Finals MVP. His order at Chick-fil-A. Fifty nuggets in honor of fifty years of the Bucks
9: winning the championship. Well, he also dropped fifty points, and he dropped fifty points. <laughs> not forty-nine, not fifty-one, 50. and a sprite and lemonade. <laughs> yeah.
10: So obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks. That was huge. And then when we look at this, how about the Milwaukee Brewers? Now I know they did not go far in the playoffs. No,
3: I don't want them on anything.
10: Well, you're going to get it right here, Corbin, Corbin Burns. Burns, Cy Young Award winner, the first since I'll 1982.
3: Take a I don't want the team on anything. I'm still pissed. Plays for the Brewers, Rowdy. Well, he's he's
9: okay with the player. Yeah, Corbin did you listen Burns, to me?
3: the Brewers. Yeah, I did, Rowdy. Actually, the
9: Brewers don't make a list.
10: The Milwaukee Brewers starting pitcher Corbin Burns saw a young award winner.
9: Yeah, you're singling down in. Incredible. There.
10: Yeah. As it was the first time since 82. So that's crazy. And
3: other than that for the Brewers, nothing. Again, they don't deserve anything. Yeah. Just they Corbin choked down, yeah. They choked. They won the Central. Okay, we saw them do that in 2018. And then they choked.
9: Well, I, I guess you could maybe talk about uh, Fastball Freddy and... Woody as well. And Hater. I mean, yeah. But, like, so pitchers. Yeah, the pitching staff of the Brewers. And then, you know, the rest of it was pretty much like meh. meh, meh,
10: meh." And, I mean, they did for their, what was it, their (laughs) third time winning the NL Central 2021? So you could say winning the NL Central, I guess, is a, for the Packers winning the NFC North, whatever. For the Brewers winning the uh, the NL Central is is cool because it's still kind of new.
9: And I mean, we what seventy five percent of the time, if you play the Brewers and and beat them in the playoffs, you are going to win the World Series. Yeah.
10: Correct.
3: Yeah, yeah. But you have a hundred percent chance of making it. Yes.
10: Yes. So Corbin Burns winning Cy Young is the biggest. <laughs> that's that's huge for Corbin, Corbin Burns and the Milwaukee Brewers. Absolutely incredible. And uh, anything else, just off the top of our heads, I'm sure I think there is more.
3: Just listing all of them, I think the two clear-cut ones are Milwaukee Bucks Championship. It's been 50 years. I think a lot of people never thought they'd see that again. And Wisconsin Volleyball for winning their first national championship ever. Mm -hmm. I think that's got to be your
10: top two. Yeah. Hobie Baker was pretty huge for Wisconsin Hockey where they were before.
9: Yeah. I mean, mean, it's second Hobie Baker they won. uh, It's not over a championship, but yes. Right. Much like uh, the Heisman Trophy. Um Probably should have one more Hobie Baker in there. Wisconsin should have Steve Reinpreck back in the day.
1: An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
2: Hey, it's Aaron Zimmerman back here with you on the Midwest Farm Report this morning. Now, from the Alcivia Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a Friday. Well, meat processing continues to be a hot topic all across the state of Wisconsin and across the United States. And the Wisconsin Farmers Union actually took it upon themselves to create a meat processing task force that developed a series of webinars and panel discussions to explore the complexity of the issues and potential solutions in the meat industry. They've now compiled all of that data into a report called Meat Processing in Wisconsin – challenges, and opportunities. And I'm joined by Lauren Langworthy, Special Projects Director for the Wisconsin Farmers Union. Now, Lauren, tell us a little bit about where the initiative came from to start this task force and kind of some of the things that they have found and put into this report.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Well, you may or may not know this, but Wisconsin Farmers Union is a member-based organization, Every year, our members get together and determine the policy for the coming year and things that are especially important to them as, as farmers and eaters in the food system as well. In the last two years, they've highlighted meat processing issues and um, as something that needs to be highlighted by our organization, really worked on. So that's what brought us to developing first a task force and doing some education and a lot of conversations. And ultimately, this report.
2: Now, obviously, many of these challenges that our meat processors are facing are not new by any means, but they're definitely still out there as challenges, as opportunities, as ways that we can find solutions to make things better.
5: Absolutely. You know, um, more than two years ago, we were already hearing from farmers that they were having a really hard time accessing local butcheries. Many of those butchers were going out of business in rural areas. And uh, getting access to dates to bring animals in was getting harder. And certainly in the last two years with the coronavirus pandemic, we've seen that those issues have only been aggravated. And consumers started seeing empty shelves and hearing about big plants being shut down. And so it just became more and more serious. But uh, these issues are not new. And just like many small businesses struggling, butchers really need our help.
2: Definitely. And now I think it's interesting that you bring up, you know, that there have been some new and different challenges that have arose during the pandemic. And obviously those haven't gone away. So what kind of things do we see as possible solutions that can help processors get through this backlog of animals or get through different challenges that they may be facing?
5: Well, in our conversations with many of the small and mid-scale processors, we, we heard a few different things highlighted again and again and again. Um, one of those is just access to capital. Much like farming, you know, it's capital intensive to have a, a processing facility. Uh, the equipment's expensive, the labor's expensive, and, and they need help accessing uh, some capital in order to expand those operations or sometimes keep them going with new equipment that needs to be replaced or different things like that. Um, but there are also issues in accessing labor, making sure that we have a trained labor force that we can pay well enough to stay in the business. And then, you know, there's also just this issue of fluctuation and of demand and price that happens when we all bring our animals in at one time a year, and then there are other times when it's really slow. And in that pricing issue, there's just kind of the the really big, broad problem that we're seeing in a lot of agriculture, which is the, the corporate consolidation that's really pushing down those prices and making it harder for small businesses to compete.
2: Well, I'm glad you bring up that topic, too, about labor, because I think whether you're in the agriculture industry or not, everybody's having labor issues right now. And on the meat processing side, not only are we having the issue of finding enough workers, but enough qualified workers or trained workers to work in this specialty field.
5: Yeah, we spoke to quite a few different folks about this topic. We talked to some students who are participating in meat processing training programs. We talked to organized labor. We talked to small and mid-scale processors. And um, some of the things that we heard from people are that certainly training is, is a big piece of all of this. If you're going to work in a large processing plant, you're probably going to make one cut on a very long line. Uh, if you think about kind of Ford and, and the way those big plants work where you're just doing one piece of a really large puzzle. But if you're going to work in a small shop or own your own business, you need to be able to do a lot more complex work. You need to be able to look at a hanging carcass and make some complex decisions about how to cut it best for the customer. And so that's um, that's complicated training, and it takes a lot of hands-on experience. Many small-scale processors are doing that training on the job because it's hard to get it anywhere else. But, you know, we also need to be looking at our workplaces and making sure that whether they're small or large, Labor has access to good wages. They need good ergonomics and safety precautions. And often in those big plants especially, they need the ability to organize. So when we're looking at how can we support our small and mid-scale processors, we need to make sure that they can set up their plant in a way that it's good for labor and they can retain that labor so that they don't have to keep cycling through and training new folks all the time.
2: Now let's go ahead and talk about things, I guess, on the producer side as well. Consumers have continued to see meat prices rise in the grocery store, but farmers haven't always seen that as far as the farm gate price goes. What information have you found on that side of things? And I guess, how can we fix those problems as well?
5: Absolutely. Yeah, when we look at the farmer's share, of every dollar spent on food, the farmer is only getting about 14 cents. So that's that's a pretty harsh reality. And when we're looking at the beef values in particular, farm beef value fell 23% since 2014, but that retail price just keeps climbing. So what we're seeing is that farmers aren't getting that dollar. Instead, it's middlemen along the way that are getting that dollar. So one of the things that Farmers Union has really been looking at is, is this consolidation issue that's driving down those prices and making it much harder for the small businesses in our neighborhoods to compete. Right now, there are just 50 plants that are slaughtering and processing over 98% of our national supply, and that's just not very good for for farmers like us to have choices and for consumers also to have choices. In figuring out where they want to spend that money and and who's getting it ultimately. You
2: know, we touched on some challenges, some things that we see as problems within the meat industry, but what are some more of those opportunities, I guess, that we have in the meat industry to continue to improve, to continue to have some policy that supports things, uh, to support, you know, small and mid sized processors? What kind of things have you seen as far as that?
5: Well, you know, Wisconsin Farmers Union works both on our state level and also on the national level to try and address some of the solutions that we've been hearing about. So at a state level, uh, we've certainly been working with DACAP and WEDIC, uh, two organizations, government bodies that are working on uh, different grant opportunities that these small and mid-scale processors can access to maybe upgrade their facilities or, or help themselves get more throughput and, and address certain bottlenecks within their own operation. We want to make sure that those stay well-funded and that people are able to access them, that the, the process of applying isn't too difficult for them. Um, but, you know, there are other things too. Uh, there's uh, There are a couple of bills right now about on-the-job training and apprenticeships, and we would love to see those get passed and be well-funded. Um, and then certainly when we look at the federal level, we want to make sure that we... Support different things like mandatory price reporting. Um, there are people looking at the Packers and Stockyards Act and trying to reform that so that we have uh, a better enforcement opportunity for these consolidation issues and making sure that farmers have the access they need. So there are a lot of exciting opportunities. We just need to make sure that we're calling the people who represent us and, and telling them it's important to us whether we're talking to processors, to farmers, to people who labor in the system, or people who eat uh, the consumer end, we actually saw a lot of overlap on people's concerns and people's interests in changing things. So I think there's a, a lot of positive <laughs> outlook looking ahead that that we're all actually really in agreement
2: well a lot of different topics even within the meat industry here in wisconsin again that was lauren langworthy special projects director for wisconsin farmers union discussing their task force and new report about wisconsin meat processing
1: Rural
7: keeping wisconsin strong
1: Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts.
7: Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin
1: strong.
2: We'll go ahead and take a look at our morning commodity markets here through the overnight trade in just a minute. But first, the Wisconsin FFA alumni and supporters is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And the annual convention and business meeting is coming up here on February 4th through the 5th, 2022. That's going to be held at the Central Wisconsin Convention and Expo Center in Rothschild, Wisconsin. Registration is still open for the event, but it will close on January 4th. To register, you may go to wisconsinagad.org alumni slash convention register. There's a lot planned for that weekend, so be sure to attend. Now let's go ahead and take a look at those commodity markets here on Friday, December 31st. March corn currently at five ninety six and three quarters up three quarters January soybeans at thirteen thirty two up four and a quarter March wheat up three right now at seven eighty two and three quarters the January milk contract currently at twenty twenty a hundredweight that's up two cents while the February contract is down eight cents at twenty seventy five a hundredweight. Yesterday, barrel cheese finished at 171 up two, 40-pound blocks up three at 198, and finally double A butter up one and a half at 244 and three-quarters.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Is your crop insurance
3: strategy to just do what you did last year? At Compere Financial, we know how challenging it can be to navigate insurance planning so we work hard to understand your goals and needs. Let us leverage our exclusive tools and vast experience to develop a strategy that protects your operation. Partner with us today. Give us a call at 844-426-6733 or visit compere.com slash crop insurance. Compere does not provide legal or licensed financial planning services. Compere Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.
5: As we move into the cold winter months, You may notice drafts around your windows and doors. Now is the time to let Prairie Exteriors give you a full free inspection and show you what new windows and doors can do for the health of your family and your home.
2: Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors.
3: Prairie Exteriors! Now that's impressive!
2: PrairieExteriors.com.
5: Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. I grew up on tour with my parents. Kind of different, but we bonded over music just like other families do over sports, camping, or other interests. And we talked. Little everyday conversations from silly to serious that built a foundation over time. Honest conversations, like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life, and I was so grateful that you and Mom had become these sober, stable people who were always there for me.
1: I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs, whether it's music or anything else. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
4: The above average temperatures we saw this fall made the potato harvest a challenge. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. I chat with Bo Hartline, the farm manager at Some Potatoes, about what they're looking forward to in 2022, but first, he reflects on the 2021 harvest.
11: It was pretty brutal, if I'm honest. Um, so, just a warm fall. Uh, you know, we can't, it, we don't want to store potatoes whenever the internal of potatoes is is above 70 degrees, and if you can picture back, there's a lot of plus, you know, upper 70 degree days in September. Uh, you know, last year, we were very fortunate in 2020, we were done with, with harvest October 15th. This year, for reference, we didn't get done until like 30 first of october so uh, a lot of that was just stretching out from september um but you know overall we we got the crop up and very little frost uh we do have some quality concerns though we we've had we've had some breakdown in storage and uh you know we're we're still trying to figure out the extent of it but it's not going to be a great storage season for us i'll say that
4: Harvesting potatoes in seventy degree weather sounds nice, right? But potatoes can't handle that heat in storage. Explain to why do potatoes break down in heat?
11: Yeah, so and it doesn't happen in the field. Uh, you know, again, the the potato grew in the field, and you, as you can imagine, June, July, the potatoes were out there. It's even hotter than that. But what, what happens is you, you take that potato, you dig it, and, again, potatoes are just like us. They're living, breathing, breathe in oxygen, breathe out, breathe out CO2. Whenever they're stressed, they breathe out CO, you know, a lot more CO2. Uh, they're sucking a lot more oxygen. What happens is you can't put it into a storage building and expect to cool it down to about 40 degrees where we like to store them year-round uh, and expect them to cool down from whenever they're above 70. Preferably even we want them 50 or 60 degrees whenever we're storing um, so that's that's a lot of it. Uh, they just the potato just physically can't handle that that temperature drop.
4: And now that we're in December, you said you're seeing some breakdown. How big of an issue is it? What's the seriousness of the, of the situation?
11: I'll be honest with you so far just hauling out to the field that the potatoes that we were unable to sell. We've probably lost a couple hundred thousand dollars. And again, it's a small percentage right now, but uh, it's hard to say because, again, we store roughly 70 percent of our crop. And as of right now, December 4th, uh, we've only hauled out maybe, you know, a few percent of that crop. So uh, we're still early on. Uh, you know it's one thing it's just like in the field you can look at your storage pile and you can kinda, you can get an idea of what it is but you really don't know until you start digging out of it.
4: The 70 percent of your potatoes are of the harvest is stored why where is it going?
11: Uh, so ultimately you know everything that we that we grow the, as the farm grows eventually goes through all some uh, our wash shed at Friesland Wisconsin. Um, you know you know basically you know potatoes that you know, again once once you wash them you, and you pack them they can only survive on the shelf so long uh you know maybe a month if you're lucky for a consumer that, that buys them uh so probably the reason that we store is just to have a year-round supply of potatoes um so again we uh you know we we ship to our our wash shed during harvest again roughly 30 percent of the potatoes that we grow uh those end up on store shelves through the months of august september uh october but then we We put everything in storage to ship the rest of the year.
4: Besides watching those potatoes in storage, what else do potato farmers do in the winter months?
11: So we're just getting ready for next season. Uh you know, one of the big things is we always go through all of our equipment. Uh whenever we're we're planting or hilling or harvesting, uh we can't afford to have breakdowns. So we, we, we keep our, our maintenance to a high level. Uh so we you know, our shop guys are going through equipment. Uh, you know, our agronomist you know, our, our agronomy team's looking at uh you know what fertilizers you want to use next year, what rates, uh looking at new varieties that are coming out, uh and even new, you know, new pesticides that are coming out as well. So
4: yeah. Any uh, when you talk about varieties and pesticides, what are those things that you're watching?
11: We're looking at the whole gambit, if, if you will. You know, with varieties, we're there's no perfect uh, variety of potato. You know, we're, we're corn. You know, there's such a thing as a hybrid. You don't get that with potatoes. Uh, so the, there, there's a lot of new varieties that come out every year, but not a lot of new varieties that necessarily work for you in your location. Uh, one of the big things that we look for is quality. So it's not just about yield that we want. We also want quality. In fact, sometimes we'll sacrifice yield if we have a variety that we know we can get more number ones. Uh, So, you know, again, the the consumer nowadays expects a perfect-looking potato, uh, which isn't always realistic. So that's what we're looking for is something that yields a perfect-looking potato, if you will.
4: Are any of your potatoes seed crop?
11: Not for us. Um, you know, we we are we just grow uh, packet. You know, potatoes that will be ultimately packed uh, and sold to a consumer. Uh, seed farms typically all they typically grow is seed. Uh, you know, they have to go through a certification process. Uh, basically, a seed farm will take a, a certain lot of a seed and they'll plant it for four to five years out in the field, and then at the end it goes through a rigorous inspection. If it if it meets all of the disease free. Uh, you know, certification standards that it's supposed to, it can be sold to, you know, somebody like us that'll take it and plant it in a field that'll end up on a store shelf.
4: As you prepare for spring, are you going to be growing more potatoes next year?
11: I think right now we're going to probably keep consistent where we're at. Uh, Awesome produce, which again is kind of our, you know, parent corporation, if you want to call them that. Uh, You know, that's probably not the right terminology, but uh, everything we grow goes to them. Um, we, the farm produces roughly 55% of the potatoes that they pack on a yearly basis. That means that they go around with farmers, other farmers in Wisconsin and some out of state, uh, to supply that other 45% of potatoes. Uh, and so sometimes we've got to look at what our, our packing shed wants to do if they want to grow or if if they don't want to sell as much next year, typically that doesn't happen. They always want to grow, but sometimes they get, they'll pick up a, a farm in Wisconsin that they can buy more potatoes from and the farm doesn't necessarily have to grow that year. Uh, But overall, we do look to grow a little bit every year. Um, So we'll at least be the same amount of acres or maybe a little bit more.
4: And that's your spud update with Bo Hartline, the farm manager at Awesome Potatoes. He says you'll start seeing people out in the potato fields toward the end of March. The target planting date is April 15th. He says in the meantime, enjoy Wisconsin potatoes. You can even look for the Something Special from Wisconsin sticker on bags of spuds in the grocery store.